ears so that we may hear you. Lord, would you move in our lives so that we can praise you. Father, would you give us the strength to praise you in the storm. right now touch our lives change our hearts set a fire within us that cannot be quenched that cannot be stifled by the disasters of this world or the culture of this world or what the media has to say or our own inadequacies Father our own laziness our own sinful ways Father just set a blaze in us for your name for your glory for your passion God Spirit, speak so that we may hear and listen and do. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim that we have ears to hear His voice this morning. No longer is our hearts callous towards His ways, towards what He has for our life, but that we open up and we're vulnerable with Christ so that He may glorify Himself through us. presence of God though right now it's just feeling very strongly this this morning and so we're not going to rush it we're not going to jump into a message here just ask for the peace of God to come upon us this morning to rest upon us that the cares of the world of our lives and the day to day activities would just be washed away in your grace and your presence right now an interesting time for me to prepare this lesson and, or this sermon or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm in an interesting season of sermon writing right now. So we'll see what happens here in the next 30 minutes or so. But God, I was in here. Bethany and I had the opportunity to spend some time in here 
Friday afternoon, just pretty much all afternoon, praying and reading the word and asking God for, for just, not for the sermon, but just for, for his voice, his life. And that's, that's what he got me to, was this point of his voice. So let me explain. Um, I know some of you have walked this walk, but it's new to me. And we're six months in, six months in, six and a half into our marriage. And it's just now hitting us that it's us. Did you get to that point where, like, you finally realize, like, oh, man, like, we're two individuals called to be together. But God has a calling for us as a couple. Like, that's huge. We just got to that point. We, we started, we were in Hawaii. And, of course, when you're in Hawaii, you're trying to figure out a way to move to Hawaii. Right? I mean, who want, who wants to live in West Texas when you can swim with sea turtles every day? I mean, come on. So we're, we begin to have these discussions about, well, what is God calling us to in our life? What is he, what's the vision for our future? What does he have in store for Bethany and John as a couple? Not as two individuals anymore, but people who are learning to become one flesh. What is that, that mandate, that, that mantle that he's passing on to us, right? So we begin to, to discuss and it stirred up quite a few things in our hearts. And we got back from Hawaii. Uh, just if you don't know why I was there, I was officiating a wedding suffering for jesus um we got back from hawaii and we went uh we got to the apartment one night after we we worked out and we were kind of bored and we get cabin fever a lot so we took a page out of my in-laws and we went on a walk um and we we started walking around the apartment complex and we just started talking about our fears and and our worries and our struggles and faith and and, you know, do we believe God is good and that he's going to come through and all these things. And it's a good sign when you get back to the staircase to go back up to your apartment and you say another lap. And we just kept going, you know. And I don't know how many laps we walked, probably five or six. But uh, it, was a, it was a moment where we just shared our hearts for what we feel like God's telling us as individuals. And it came to this point, and Bethany said it, and it's a simple word, but it has a lot of weight on us right now. And it was surrender. There's this concept of surrenderance. And, and on Friday when we were praying, I just kept hearing like, my voice, my voice. And that stemmed out of a couple weeks ago, just after we got back from Hawaii again. I had prepared a Wednesday night lesson for the youth. I was all jazzed up about it. I had the game going. I had the video worship going. And I had this awesome sermon about being a child of God and the seven blessings that you would get from being a child of God. And I was like, man, this is going to impact them. They're going to know these seven blessings. It's going to change the way they view themselves. Identity, right? And it just soared right over their head and my head. And it just, it never quite landed the way I wanted that night. And so we turned on the worship. And I just asked God, I said, God, what, what happened? I was ready. I was prepared for once. Like, I had a sermon. The game was fun. What happened? And God just so sweetly, so gently told me. He said, I want to speak to them, but you keep getting in my way. I want to speak to these students, but you keep getting in my way. And what he meant by that was, ever since I've been in this position, I don't, even before then, I've been relying on my own strength, my own two hands, my own ability to read the Bible and understand 
the bit I can. My own ability to, to speak, my own ability to plan. And so I've been creating these Wednesday nights and, and these sermons and these lessons and what have you out of my own strength. And by the end of it, I'm saying, God, like that was good, but it just didn't have the, the power to change lives that I thought it would. What happened? And again saying, I want to speak, but you keep getting in my way. And it was a quickening to me of, of quenching the spirit and controlling how this worked. And here's the deal. When we have to get to a place, I have to get to a place, that his voice is all that matters. That when he speaks, we listen. And it's no longer about agenda or scheduling or control or time frames. It means buckle up because we're going to be here a while. But about his voice. His voice. And so in prayer for this this sermon, God just told me, I want you to go back to an old message that you preached. And I don't like doing that. I don't like... I always repeat myself, it seems like in every sermon it sounds the same. But... But an old message, a message I preach, and you might have already heard me preach here at this church. Um, but it's something that God has laid on my heart. And here's the deal, is I'm getting to the point where I don't desire revival. Because I believe every great Christian, every, every leader of the faith has this passion for revival. Has this passion for to see God's people return to him. Whether they're lost or found, it's just this burning desire, this flame to say, we're going to go after God and that's all we want. To gain Christ, right? And so I don't know if I'm there yet, but I've noticed there's a hunger to be there. I don't know if that's the start of it or something, but there's a hunger in me that says, God, I'm not satisfied. Not that there's a place I can read. Okay, this is going to be confusing, but... I'm not satisfied. And I don't think I'll ever reach a point where I'm satisfied in Christ. But I'm continually wanting more of Him. Continually hungering and going after Him, right? And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in just uh, two passages. Keeping it simple. We're going to go back to, to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, we're in, Exodus of course means the exit from uh, Egypt. It's, it's when God began to establish a nation called Israel and his people and he set the captives free out of Egypt. And, and we've already passed this point in chapter 16, we're in the wilderness. These people are, are, are walking with God, they're following the cloud and the pillar of fire and Moses is leading them. We haven't gotten to the Ten Commandments yet. But they get to the, the wilderness and say, Hey Moses, what are we going to eat? And that's where we're picking up in Exodus chapter 16, verse 11. We're going to read on to about 21. So just follow along. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, In the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning... You will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. 
And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They have no idea. They had no idea what it was. Moses told them, this is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who were gathered, those who had gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. And Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen. And they kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots. And had a terrible smell. And Moses was very angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. That's where we'll stop. So this, this hunger in me for revival and is, is being birthed. And I'm, I'm trying to explore it. And I'm, I'm sorry if I seem a little frazzled. It's because... This is new to me. It's something that God's birthing in me and it's something I desire to have with him in relationship and in our family and for our vision for this church. And I think it's a heart of God for every Christian that they would hunger and thirst for him. And he's showing us a picture in the Old Testament of what he desires for us. And you realize that the Israelites here were being led by a cloud and a pillar of fire by night that, that God was going before them, preparing the way, leading them, guiding them. And not only that, he was being their provider in their basic needs as well. And they asked, I love the picture of how manna came down as a kid when in Sunday school, I used to picture just loaves of bread falling from the sky <laughs> and everybody going out with their baskets and just getting loaves of bread. Um, but when I read this, the first time I read it, and I realized, man, it was just like a flaky substance, like a morning dew, kind of like a, a light snow or something of this flowery manna substance that they go up and they gather and they make a ball and, and boil it or bake it and they have manna. They don't know what it is, but it sustains them. And they don't just eat this one time. They eat this every day for 40 years until Joshua takes, crosses over the Jordan and then it stops because they had entered into the promised land. And so for me, the simple application here is we, we first look at is, is if we desire a revival heart, we have to trust God to provide for us. We have to be the ones to say, Lord, I'm going to let you be God and I'm going to be a man. Not the man, not pursuit uh, popul- popularity or or to be the best preacher for these students. No, I'm going to let you be God. And when you want to speak, I'm going to let you speak. But there's a part we play in our daily walks with Christ. There's a part we play. And it's, it's this picture of God will provide something every day for us. Every day. His mercies are new every morning. But we have to leave the tent our comfort zone, our security, whatever your tent is, and go out and collect 
whatever it is. Your manna. Some of you might be in a wilderness season yourself. Some of you might be on the mountaintop. But I just want to challenge you. Listen, every day God is providing. It's as simple as that. He has a a moment, a person, a scripture, uh, an encounter. He's going to reveal himself through creation. That he wants to have relationship with you so that you might know him. Because that's the revival's heart, right? It's not to have great church services and packed houses. It's that we might know God and become like him and give him glory. And that as many people can, can get to that position where they want to know God the Father more and more and more and more and they're hungry. And so they go up and they wake up every morning and they say, what is it, God? What is it today? What do you have for us today that we might go out and seek your face and find it? In Psalm 27, it says, I call to you, say, come and seek my face. And my heart's answer to you is, yes, Lord, I'm coming. That's the heart of revival. That's the heart of a true disciple who desires God in his life on a daily basis. And listen, it takes discipline. The bread didn't fall in loaves. It fell in material. And they took the tools and the material they had and they made manna. They made these loaves to eat. They boiled it or they baked it. And God has given you tools, simple tools, that every preacher will tell you on every Sunday. And I'm going to join them today in saying, listen, read your Bibles and pray. That's simple for a revival's heart. I just threw out the punchline of the whole sermon right there at the beginning. Read your Bibles and pray because God so desires relationship with you. Colossians 3.16 says that let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And what exactly are we talking about? The word of God. I know you guys are all smarter than I am. But I had to go in and dissect not only the word of God but this word richly you know and so i went to ephesians 2 where it talks about you were saved by grace so you couldn't boast about it it was a gift from god now because of his grace you are his masterpiece that's part of the richness the the glory of god is that he had such loving kindness to show us mercy those who had sinned against him those who had turned their back on him, those who were out there complaining. But also the word of God is the Bible. It's the word that God simply wrote and put in a book and said, here, you want to know my heart? Cover to cover. It's that easy. You, again, I know I've said this before, but how many of these do we have on our shelves? It's the word of God, cover to cover. You can know me. I did not put it so far out of your reach. Flip over with me to Deuteronomy 30. I'm going to get back to that, uh, that Colossians verse. I got another chunk of, of scripture here, so bear with me. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. It reads like this. It says, The command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you to understand. 
and it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey. It is not kept beyond the seas so far away that you must ask who will go across the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commandments and decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choices you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. He is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that God swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As a new passage for me, I've read over it, but I don't think I read it. And it's, it's not too far out of our reach. It's not some secret that we have to buy the latest book or, or watch the latest podcast or, or get in touch with the, the best speakers. God didn't make it difficult for us to find Him, for us to love Him, for us to worship Him. He made it where He wrote it on our hearts. How much closer do you want it? How much more do you need? They will be my people and I will be their God. And we choose on a daily basis life or death, prosperity or disaster. I'm not talking financially. I'm talking about spiritual abundance. Fullness, the fullness of the Word of God living richly in us. Teaching and counseling one another in the wisdom He gives. And singing hymns and, and psalms and spiritual songs to God, giving thanks to Him. That's the full verse of Colossians 3.16. Listen, His Word that dwells richly in us will produce godly wisdom. It's a, it's a one plus one plus one equals here, top of the equation. It says, when you abide in Him, He teaches you. And there is a way that seems right to a man. Right? We all make plans in our heart. We all schedule and, and organize and prep just like I do on Wednesday nights. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but God's ways are higher than our ways. 
And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so there's a wisdom that only he can give. And you can only gain this wisdom by abiding in his word and letting it richly dwell within you. And what happens when you abide and his wisdom comes, you begin to teach and counsel one another. Not with your ideas or your opinions, but with godly kingdom principles. Because we always used to say that the kingdom of God is upside down to the world, but I think the world's upside down to the kingdom of God, right? We know that. The world's upside down. It's backwards. The right way, the true way, is God's kingdom principles. It's His wisdom. And when we have His word in us, giving us wisdom, we write songs about it. We take the Psalms right here and we sing them with all our hearts and we praise his name and we give him thanks and we give him glory because glory is his and his alone, right? And verse 17 of Colossians 3 says that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Whatever you do. Also, 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one that says, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. And it's this heart of everything is after God. Everything is for God. It's this sold out mentality. It's this revival passionate heart that says, listen, the closer I can get to God, the better it will be. I don't care about the, the, the struggles. It doesn't mean that, that terrible things won't happen like what happened in L.A. Or, or the hurricanes or the earthquakes in Mexico or personal struggles in your life. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying that you will have the wisdom to walk out those things. You will have the love. It's in verses, I think it's 13 or 14, just before in Colossians 3, it says, and let love dwell among you that binds you together in perfect harmony. See, God is love. And the closer we get to God, the more we become like him. And in the fact, we become love. And so when the disaster comes, we know how to respond. Not with our ideas or our opinions, but with his wisdom. And I'm, not, I'm not saying anything new. I'm not saying anything hard. Because listen, it's, 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 not, it's not far from you. You know it. I know it. We all know it. But we just don't have the hunger that we need to get there. Because if we were truly, desperately hunger, hungry, there'd be some people in this room that would live like Paul. There'd be some people in this room that would preach like Peter. Have the heart like David. Have the obedience and faithfulness like Noah. Because all else would be considered second hand. But we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But something keeps us from being just that much hungry. We're hungry, but we're not hungry enough. I'm not. This is where I'm at. And I would assume we, we can all relate to this. Simple message for today, guys, is... is God wants to meet with you every day. No days off, 
No breaks on Saturdays. Because listen, here's the deal. I know for a fact we just witnessed an awesome encounter with Jesus in a baptism both this week and last week. I know for a fact some of you have seen miracles, real undeniable miracles. I know for a fact that you've been saved. Otherwise, most of you wouldn't be sitting in here because you don't believe it, right? I know for a fact you've encountered God. And you've had these really amazing times in your life where God has just swept you off your feet with His glory and His love and His faithfulness. But listen, if you hold on to that for tomorrow, you'll wake up and it will have maggots in it. Because that's what they tried to do the first time they sought God and they went out and they collected the manna. They came back and they they tried to keep some back because they didn't trust that he was going to provide again. They said, I'm going to live off this because I'm just not 100% there with you yet, God. This is cool, but I'm going to trust that my own two hands can take care of me. And it rotted. So if you're living off a past experience last week or somebody you led to the Lord months ago or a word of God that he gave you years ago and you're still holding on to that problem, listen, there's a freshness and a newness for you today, tomorrow, for Tuesday, Wednesday, every day of your life because God is God. Think about that. He's eternal. He's majestic. He's huge. And you, in your limited ability, can never spend enough time with Him to know all about Him. Do you get that? So every day there's something to learn with God. There's something to enjoy in His presence. There's something to share with us and teach with us and counsel in His wisdom. We have this opportunity. Do we have the hunger? We have got to get there. We have got to be hungry and trust that he's going to provide. And that hunger's got to get us to step. It's got to get us to move. It's got to get us to not just action, but surrenderance to his voice. Because we all hear him speak. We all hear him challenge us and, and move us and shake us. And say, hey, come on. Now's the time. Spend it with me. Share with them. Do this. Do that. Be like this. Act like that. Right? We all hear that voice. But we've got to get and learn this position right here. I'm going to let you be God. And I'm going to be a man. Just a man. Your ways above mine. Your desires above mine. My fears, God, lay before you. My life and what I want and my desires and my hopes and dreams and visions right here at the cross. Because to get to get that close to you, I gotta give you everything. I can't hold on to my wife or some of you can't hold on to your kids or, or parents or siblings. It says, if you, if you put those things before me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Those things got to come after. Not second, just after. Seek first him and only him. One, one, one. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Not Jesus, God, church, what are Jesus. Well, the Trinity, let's go Trinity. Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, then my wife, then the church, right? 
but just Jesus. Just a hunger for him. Practicality, how? How do we do this? How do we get to a place where we're hungry? There's an awesome book series I told my niece about because she loves to read. But it has this picture that is beautiful. And it's, it's by Ted Decker. It's the, the Black, Red, and White series. And I don't know if I'm giving away spoilers or not. But um, if you're into like fantasy stuff, read it. It's awesome. But in this picture, in this world, they found that there was this disease that would cover their body. And it would pollute their minds and make them afraid of the water. And they would live out away from the forest in the desert. They were called the horde. And these people were so afraid of the water and everything in it, they wouldn't go to it. But there was another group of people that lived in the forest by the water. And every day, every day, they had to bathe in the water. And these waters had healing principles that would wash off that disease. And it would clear your mind so that you would know that the water is good. But to get one of the horde to the water was like dragging a mule. Because they, they were afraid of it. They didn't know that it was good. They were, their eyes were blind. They had calluses over their eyes. They couldn't see the goodness in the water. That if they would just get in, it would take the disease away but the moment they did their eyes were open their ears were open and they knew and they lived in that lifestyle some of us are like the horde that God beckons and he calls and he says if you'll get in here it'll be good and we hesitate something keeps us back I don't know what it is for you it's fear for me But if we would just not dip our toe in. Listen, there's, there's several ways to get in the pool, but the stairs ain't one of them. <laughs> Have you heard this? You jump in. Jump in. Today you have an opportunity. What is it? Jump in. Tomorrow, it's new. You can't live off of today. What is it? And as you set your heart towards that, it'll wash it off of you. And that fire will be stoked inside of you. And you will begin to live in abundance. You will begin to live with a passion. And people will see it and desire it. Circle lines and tents. Our kind of vision for the church here is that there would be these fires. Ashley explains it way better than I do. But that we would have fires in our home. Fires in a group and fires that would attract people to it. And that fire starts right in here. Listen, again, get out of here. Again, it's not too far. It's not such a mystery. It's on your lips and in your heart. That you can know it. You can know Him. Amen? We're just going to turn on some soaking music. And just spend about five minutes. Taking the opportunity. To find out what it is.
as you continue to pray. I just want to ask, is there anybody in here today who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? It's in Christ. He came for us, for those who have messed up. No matter how much you've done in your life or how far you think you are, Christ is here and he wants a relationship with you. And if you're feeling that hunger in your inside to, to come and be in with Jesus, I want to give that opportunity right now to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, just come on up to the front. Jesus taught us to pray. And even in our prayer that he taught us, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever. Amen. If you need prayer today, if, if you don't know Jesus, or you want prayer over for healing, or, or you're struggling with something spiritually and you want deliverance, the altar's open. We're going to be here. Leaders, going to be here for a moment ready to receive you with with the love that Christ has given us in our hearts. Be blessed. Go for and and receive manna every day. Amen. Thank you.